0: Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Faultline Social podcast. Today our guest is Josh Portman, the former bassist for the band Yellow Card. And we talked to Josh about his time in the band, his uh, various side projects and future releases. You can read more reviews, previews and in-depth articles over on faultlinesocial.co.uk and you can follow us at Faultline Social on Instagram to keep up to date with when new articles go up. Uh, thanks for listening
1: and hope you enjoy. Cheers
0: yeah how are you how how uh how are you experiencing life as we now know it? Uh,
1: you know it's 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 been up and down like I, like I think it has for everyone you know it's it's hard to complain about the situation because everyone's going through the same thing right now, you know um, it's been wild. It started off like okay, uh, this is this is different. Let's see what happens and then it got I got to a really, really low point. You know, early on in in the uh, you know March April for a couple of weeks, and then it was like a, a period of adjustment, and I was like, okay, this is just this is how it is for who knows how long. I'll deal with it.
0: Yeah, that's it. Not exactly. You so, know. So
1: so it's it's been it's been boring, but uh, but I've gotten through with, without it being too severe. Um, I, I'd like to say that I achieved more than I have. <laughs> Uh, in In this downtime but um i don 't know man it's just it's so weird you know
0: yeah it's strange. i mean I think you know things are going to be kind of rolling back out to normalcy now uh in the in the near future anyway, so um you know, fingers crossed for that but we'll we 'll probably talk a little bit about this later um in terms of well you mentioned productivity there um has this been kind of like a you know is, has music been a, a big part of you know the last uh, you know however long it's been like 12 months now i guess like you know have you kind of been filling that time with um you know just getting back to music projects things like that
1: not not a whole lot you know mainly i guess mainly because live performance has been shut down
0: right, right, yeah that's that's a big part of what you like to do, right you i from what I see, you you kind of like being in a band, right? That seems to be like your like your main thing that you just kind of love to do, right? You love to perform
1: right, right, of course, yeah I perform yeah. And, and to uh to tour, and obviously there's there's been none of that uh, this year at all, so um you know, most of this year for me, even even prior to uh to the pandemic and to lockdowns has been um just just family time here in georgia and uh my my dad you know he's had a lot of health stuff going on so a lot of a lot of the time was spent just just making sure he's okay and getting him through his his you know treatments and whatnot. So so music has kind of been pushed to the side somewhat throughout the pandemic. Um you know, I did. I did do a project called Broken Trophy, which I'm sure we'll we'll get into later on. Uh, and and that that was kind of a long time in the making. You know, that was two years ago that we started talking about doing that, and we just now released our very first seven inch EP. Okay. You know, it's it's getting delivered to people as we speak. So it, oh, nice. Yeah, it just came out, um, which is really cool. And you know, we're we're talking about doing another one soon. Uh, everyone in that band is spread out literally across the world, all, all four of us. So it's just the hit a studio, record our part, put it together type thing. And it's, but it's pretty cool in that respect.
0: Yeah, I, I would say, you know, obviously, you know, like you said, it, stuff has been pushed to the side, especially the live stuff. But, you know, we I suppose we can take a small amount of comfort in the fact that, you know, you, you guys can still kind of, you know, I know it's not the same as getting in a room and like playing, but, you know, there's still this kind of creativity going on. Right. You know, you, in a different country, you can play parts with someone and kind of put something together. And, yeah, it, it's not going to be the same as getting in a room. But
1: yeah, for sure. I mean, if if the situation that we're in had happened, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, no one no one could do anything.
0: like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Well, we won't dwell too much on the uh, on the on the present as it is. Um let's uh i just wanted to talk a, a bit about the past i suppose and um we're kind of really interested to find out about people's um formative musical experiences you know kind of like what got you into music how, how you really got started and i'm guessing that was from from a, a relatively young age as it is with, with most musicians so uh if you wouldn't mind just telling us a bit about
1: that yeah yeah of course um i i did get into music at a at a very young age um yeah i was i was born at the end of 79 so uh, so i lived through all of the 80s as as a little kid but you know that was that was sort of the dawn of MTV so i remember in like 84 85 being four or five years old and just being glued to to MTV like all hours of of the day you know and it was i i loved everything then but it was really like it was the metal stuff that that got me even even at that age i just I just really latched onto it, all of it, all all the hair metal or whatever you want to call it type stuff, like Motley Crue and Rat and, and Twisted Sister and bunch, jo- pretty much all of it, you know. And um, and and it wasn't long after that that I started getting the tapes, you know, the cassette tapes of, of all these bands. And and you know, every time that I wasn't at school, I had my Walkman on and I was I was listening to to all these bands. So so before really knowing. Um, what was going on from like a musician standpoint, I just knew that I loved the way it sounded and that I loved the way that it looked. And, and that's what I wanted, you know, like I wanted to be, I wanted to be one of those guys, you know, and, and, and playing something I, you know, I didn't know the difference between a guitar or lead guitar and rhythm guitar or bass or any of those things really at that time. But I was just like, I'm doing that. I'm, I'm getting a guitar, or I'm going to do this. And you know, that's that was the music that, that stayed with me all basically all through until the nineties. But um I got my first guitar uh I guess around twelve. I don't However however old you are in fifth grade. <laughs> I, I got my first guitar and um I took lessons for I don't know, man, not not long, like four months, let's say. And I didn't care. I like I, I just I didn't want to learn the crap that they were showing me. And, and In hindsight, I wish I had because, you know, all of all of my everything that I've learned as a guitar player, I've just picked up on my own, basically Um, playing by ear and tablature and stuff. I don't know how to read music. Yeah. So so I gave up on lessons. I was just like, yeah, screw this. I just want to play Metallica songs and and figure (laughs) them out. And and I got I got good at doing that and being able to pick out pretty much any any piece of music that you could throw at me within that, that sort of realm of music, you know. know and then like the early 90s alternative grunge and all that stuff happened and i I loved all that stuff too so i think what really formed who who i am as as a musician and as a player and as a person was sort of a combination between the the 80s stuff some of the heavier stuff like the thrashy stuff but and then some of the lighter glammy hair metal-y stuff um combined with with like you know the seattle stuff and smashing pumpkins and, and all bless that stuff. It was all great. And, you know, people get pissed off about, about the nineties killing the eighties stuff or whatever you want to say. And I'm just like, well, I, I still love and live for both of those eras. I'm, I'm equal parts of those, you know? And then, uh, and then I got into punk rock and, and hardcore, uh, like freshman year of high school. So that was, that was 94 when all that stuff sort of really hit hard. So.
0: Does, you know, kind of in this time, right? Um, a lot of that 80s stuff or the glam, well, I don't want to say glam metal, but, you know, hair metal, whatever you want to call it. Um, how was the scene uh, of that in the kind of the area where you were growing up at the time? Did that kind of exist or was it very much, it was kind of only on the, on the coasts, right? That that kind of scene existed. So how did you, um, how did you get to see that kind of stuff live or was it pretty much just you were like listening it's to smart. tapes, as you said, or...
1: Yeah. I mean, as far as the eighties stuff, you know, like I said, I was, I was just a little kid. Like I turned, oh, okay. I, turned yeah. 10, I turned 10 in 1990, you know, so like I was seven, eight, nine years old throughout the, the end of the eighties and, and it's super, super into this music. As far as like knowing about a scene or even what a scene was, I, I didn't, you know, it was just me and my handful of good friends that would get together and we'd skate and we'd listen to Metallica and Van Halen and stuff and, and Motley Crue, you know, um, and and a lot of people were because that stuff was was massive in the 80s. But it's not like, you know, I mean, we, we couldn't go out to shows and, and clubs and stuff. So I, I didn't really see it as a scene. It was just it was the music that I liked and, and all that I really knew of music. But then in like, you know, I went to my first concert when I was 12 and it was it was Ozzy. And I taught my dad to take me. In. That was sort of the moment I was like,
0: OK, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good first one. one. That's sick, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it was killer. So that show was in Atlanta. It was Ozzy, um, Faster Pussycat and Ugly Kid Joe.
0: <laughs> oh wow, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, as as a 12 year old, and that being the first live musical experience I ever had, I mean, it was just like dude, it, it just wrecked my world in the best possible yeah.
0: way. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. So obviously, you know, first gig, that's that I suppose that's quite like a or first live show, that's a real, like, important defining moment. Um, And you said you were kind of into this music, and then you kind of got into different stuff through high school. Um, Was there kind of a, like, one sort of more defining moment when you thought that, you know, I want to kind of do this as a career? Like, I, you know, I like playing music. I like listening to it, but I want to, like, be those guys up on the stage.
1: Um, Well, I I think that I, I always thought that you know from from the time that I was watching those videos on on MTV without knowing anything about the music industry or what it takes to start a band and recording before I knew any of that stuff it was just looking at that and being like I want that but but every kid was like that every kid was like I want to be a rock star when I grew up and and that's sort of something that that most of my friends grew out of and and I didn't And, and you know it was I guess around the time that I saw that first concert that I started sort of putting together my, my first, my first early bands, just jamming with anyone that I knew that happened to have drums and a bass and a guitar. And, and, you know, and we, we all pretty much sucked at the time, but it was like, but we, we learned from each other and we learned about um, collaborating and uh, and working things out together musically. And, And, and in high school, you know, my freshman year of high school, I I joined. It was a band that had already existed for a couple of years, but they were like they are like the big local punk band, like pretty much the only one, and and it was really cool. So as far as as local shows, those were those were the first local kind of indie uh, punk rock shows that I got to go to. You know, at, at 14 years old, and I remember before really knowing them, seeing that, like, oh man, I want to be in this band, and then a year later, I, I kind of managed to be in that band and uh you know so so throughout the rest of high school I was playing with this really cool band called Zero Race Car Um, you know even at the age of of 15 in 1995 to to be able to do weekend shows in different states was was pretty crazy especially in a little town like like I was in in Georgia that was was sort of unheard of and I don't know man it, it wasn't like uh I didn't really have a path for like, okay, this is how I'm going to achieve getting into like bigger and better bands or whatever. It sort of just was, I, I will do it. Like it will happen, you know? And, and it took a lot of, took a lot of time and a lot of struggling and a lot of, you know, fast forward a few years and we'll get into this like, you know, being in a van and eating Taco Bell every day and sleeping on a stranger's floor <laughs> and, and doing the whole the, the paying your dues thing and you know I, I wasn't sure at at one point if if touring the world and, and and playing massive shows was going to become a reality, but I was trying to at least enjoy the ride and enjoy my bandmates and the music we were creating in the meantime.
0: Yeah, no, that's cool man. I, I I like the sound of that. I like it, obviously, you know, starting 15. That is pretty young. You're right. That's that's really like quite cool to be in a band at that age, right? Like going and touring and like getting up on stage and doing that thing. I think I get the sense that you just kind of played music and then if you made money out of that, that was fine. And then if not, you would just still do it anyway. Is that like a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's, that's still the case really. Right, (laughs) right,
0: right. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: But when I was in high school, I wasn't even, I never, I never thought about the money aspect of it at all. It, It was never, it was never about making money. It was just about the enjoyment of of the music and and playing the shows and, and i think going back to to the bands that i liked at, at that time i don't i don't think i ever thought about like are they is this their own job like do they make enough money to survive you know i started going to those shows in the 90s and be like yeah i want to do this
0: <laughs> yeah awesome man so we'll fast forward a, a little bit um so you played guitar with near miss right so that's kind of like uh how you kind of start out in that hardcore scene. What is is that correct?
1: I did play guitar in Near Miss. Um yeah. I, I guess we should backtrack for a moment. What actually led to Near Miss was me joining a band called Staring Back, which was um they were they were a Santa Barbara-based uh lobster records band who I I absolutely love, which is just one of my favorite bands. This is two thousand two thousand four. I think two or 2005, 2004, five, um, loved this band, one of my favorite bands. And, uh, one, one day, you know, I was, I was at home and I was like, I wonder if they're, wonder if they're ever going to tour. And I got online and, you know, I went to their website and the first thing that came up on their site was staring back, auditioning guitar players. So I was just like, huh, that's interesting. And I, I kind of read through it. You know, they wanted a submission of, uh, influences and experience and gear use and, yeah, and all that stuff. And I was just like, dude, not, e- not thinking anything of it. It was like, eh, I'll, I'll shoot him an email, you know? And, uh, and I did. And it was like within the hour, they'd already written re- back. And they were like, Holy shit, you sound like our guy. And I was just like, <laughs>
0: nice. So did they, do they, they know
1: who you are? Right. They, they didn't know who I was at the time. That was solely based on, um, you know, just just my my musical experience, what this type of stuff that I wanted to play, the bands that I was into, the bands that influenced me. And uh, and and it was just so, so in line with with all of those guys. They were just like, wow, like we, you know, and it wasn't like a job offer right on the table, but it was like, dude, can you come out here and, and audition? And, uh, you know, so so that turned into phone calls over the next week. and. Two weeks later, I was on a plane and, and flew out there to audition, and uh, and I stayed, God, I think I stayed for like four days. With, I stayed with the guys out in Santa Barbara, and I got it. You know, we got we got in the band room the first night, went through like four songs, and they were just like, dude, you want it? I was like, yes, of course. <laughs> so um, the other guitar player, it was a two, two guitar player band. The other guitar player in the band was Ryan Mendez of Yellow Card. This was this was before he joined uh, before he joined Yellow Bird. So uh, you know, so it was it was a brief four day, three or four day jam with those guys. But we became good buddies, and especially he and I, we clicked. We were like long lost brothers as far as, especially musically. We just loved all the same shit. You know, have been playing the same amount of time, et cetera, et cetera. So so he and I got to be good friends really quickly. Got back on a plane to Georgia and I was just like, cool. Uh, so just give me like six weeks to get all my things in order and I'll head out this way. And so so the plan was to move to Santa Barbara to to play with Staring Back. So at like the fifth week mark, I get a call one day from from Ryan Mendez and he's like, dude, I got, some, I got some bad news. I was just like, Oh man, what is what is it? What's going on? He's like, Well, I've been asked to join Yellow Card. And and I'm doing it, so staring back is over.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, and this was this was 2005, and and Yellow Card was was huge. So he joined Yellow Card right before the Lights and Sounds album came out, which was the album made after Ocean Avenue. So so this was in between Ocean Avenue and Lights and Sounds like that he joined that band. So first I was I was crushed because you know I I joined my favorite band and then and then it's over. Didn't even <laughs> didn't even get to play a show, yeah. nothing. So I was I was. I was devastated from, from that point. The other part was like, well, dude, yeah, of course, of course you joined yellow card. Like, and and it sucks. And I I think everyone's kind of patched things up from, from the staring back crew, but, but sort of the other dudes were really pissed at him about it, you know, like, and, and, and I wasn't, I wasn't pissed off at the guy. I mean, I mean, granted, I didn't know him for very long, but I was, I was like, dude, you had to do that. I think any one of those guys, including myself when it's done the same thing. Right, yeah. That, that was that. And then um, it was less than a year later, I got a call one day from, from Jeremy of Near Miss, who, who I didn't know. I didn't know any of those guys personally. He calls me up and, uh, and he's like, hey man, this is Jeremy from Near Miss. Um, I'm good friends with Ryan Mendez. He gave me your number. We're looking for a guitar player. He said, you're our guy. <laughs> do you want to do it? So it wasn't even uh it wasn't even a matter of auditioning. It was just like, do you wanna to move to Austin, Texas and and join the band? And I love Near Miss. So I was like, Yeah, let's do it. Within a month I was driving out to Austin. So so just, just like that, through Ryan Mendez, joined joined Near Miss and did Near Miss for I guess like two years until until the band sort of broke up. And uh but anyway, that's that's sort of how that's that's how the yellow car thing came about. It was it was through my friendship with, with Ryan Mendez and maintaining that friendship. And um, 2007, uh, middle of a tour, middle of a yellow car tour. Brian Mendez was the one that called me in the middle of the night when I was like frantic, and he was like, "Dude, uh, what do you think about coming and playing bass for us?" <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, "Wait." He's like, "Yeah, I think I think uh, Pete may be leaving, um, and and we're wondering if you want to come play bass." And I was just like. Dude, I I've, I've never played a bass guitar <laughs> than probably five minutes before, but just yeah, less
0: strings, it was, right? It's you know it's okay. The
1: answer is yes. So <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, less strings. Right? So um, yeah. So the thing was, uh, it, it was going to be I don't remember why, but it was going to be either two days that they were going to fly me out to start this tour or two weeks, um, and and he would let me know. So basically, I had to I got this call at like midnight and had, had two days to learn like 16 or 17 songs on, on an instrument that I didn't play to go play shows that were way bigger than anything I'd ever played before, you know? So, uh, so, so, dude, I'm, I'm in Atlanta. I don't own a bass. My roommate, calling all my friends in the city at midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I think it was a weeknight. i like, dude, I'm sorry to bother you. I need a bass. I ended up at like two in the morning driving half an hour to downtown Atlanta to grab a base from an old buddy of mine and a four pack of Red Bull. And I just stayed up all night figuring out the uh the set list and I and I did that the same thing for the next night. Day two rolled around and he was just like, hey man, like he, he calls me. It's like, Yeah, it's it's looking like uh it's probably not gonna happen. I'm so sorry. Oh what? <laughs> yeah, sorry for, for wasting your time and whatever. So I was just thinking, oh man. So it was it was like another moment of like getting super, super pumped up. Yeah. Right and uh and then i just i just stopped playing the songs like i didn't feel the need to keep working on them you know and then sure enough man that that two week mark hit and i get another call like late at night and he's like dude it's happening it went down like we, we gotta fly you out tomorrow he's like, are you are you ready and, and i was like and i wasn't you know because yeah like, yeah you know, I songs, like studying for an exam and then you forget all the information <laughs> but I was like yeah man I'm ready so same thing dude I had to go like middle of the night borrow this bass again and uh <laughs> and then start fine tuning those songs again and
0: then uh, <laughs> he's like just keep it to- don't come again it's fine just keep the bass <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I Des, Moines, Des Moines the next day um no rehearsal with the band so so never never got to rehearse with them and, and you know like and I didn't know the other dudes I knew Ryan Mendez um I'd met the other guys once uh, just from going to hang with them on tour uh, when Mendez first joined the band. But, uh, but I wasn't buddies with any of those dudes. It was just, it was just Mendez pretty much. So they were, they were taking his word for it that I, as someone who had never played bass before was going to be good enough to come in with no rehearsal and play these songs on bass, you know? And it was like, dude, talk about a trial by fire. I got there and it was like for, for maybe, maybe an hour, the night before the show, Ryan, Ryan and I just sat down in in his hotel room and I just sort of showed him the parts that I was playing on the songs. And, you know, if anything wasn't quite right, he would tell me whatever, but that was it, man. As far as a practice or a rehearsal, that was.
0: That's insane. Oh my God. I can't believe that two week period when he's like, nah, (laughs) (laughs) really wish I could have been practicing in that time. Yeah. That's, that's insane, man. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the the next night's the show, and I'm like, I'm I'm scared shitless, you know. And it's sure it's a it's a big, it's a big show. I mean, any yeah. band that I had been in prior to this, if there was if there was 200 people at a show for for anything else that I had done previously, you'd be like, holy shit, man! Look, there's 200 people here. <laughs> just like that was a massive show, and and this this first show was like 3,500. And uh, <laughs> I remember like getting ready to step out on stage, and I held my hand out, and it, and it was just like shaking my god what what am i doing can i do this am i gonna pull this off and uh we got on stage and i was freaking out for a few seconds and then like 30 seconds into into the first song it was sort of i'm, I'm looking out and I'm just like fuck this is it like this is what all all of the all of the struggling everything since since i was a little kid watching mtv i was like this was the moment that i've been waiting for it's it's weird that it was on bass, which I didn't But like I'm on stage, I'm playing awesome music. There there's thousands of people singing along, I was, and I was just sort of like, Man, I made it, you know. <laughs> and and uh, it did. I was just wild. It was it was such a whirlwind. So I finished out finished out that U.S. tour, which I don't know. There was a few weeks left, three or four weeks left, and then it and then it was straight to two weeks in Japan. I'd never even left the country before. So it was two weeks in Japan opening for or direct support for Lincoln Park. When at 20,000 people a night arena shows. Yeah,
0: geez, that's like it, huge. It was like,
1: it was like it wasn't even enough time to really process what was going on. It was just sort of like, OK, I'm doing this. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: yeah you're the bass player, man. You're getting on the plane. You're coming with us.
1: <laughs> that was, uh, dude, that was uh, I've had a lot of really, really awesome experiences in my life, especially with with yellow card. But I think that particular time was like the best time in my life because it was sort of like I was sort of at a point where it was like, okay, it's, you know, after Near up, I was like, it's it's not going to happen. It, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be local bands for me for the rest of just the hobby, which is fine. But I'd sort of at that point given up on moving around and joining stuff and having a break up and getting older and just being like, eh, is it is it going to happen? So um so I would say that was probably my my favorite year of my life. It was just such a such an awesome whirlwind of a time.
0: That's incredible, man. Yeah, it, it you know it pays to make friends with people. You know because these all these connections you're kind of making comes back to Ryan, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's he's the one. Uh, he was the one who was instrumental in, in the yellow card thing happening for sure. Because the other guys didn't know who I was. He could have called so- anyone for that.
0: Yeah, that's true, man. Yeah, luck of the dice. Well, I say luck. I mean, I imagine there's a particular reason he called you, probably because he thought you could do the job and that you'd he, get on well with everyone. So pays to be pays to be uh, a good guy. So yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> <You're>
1: <laughs> a good guy and, and like never burn bridges, you know. Yeah, for sure. I, I still I still see people do that and I'm just like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs>
0: yeah, going back to. Uh, when you kind of stepped in on that that first tour, so I know you did just go kind of in depth a little bit there. Um, so you've had very little time to prepare, obviously. You kind of were just doing it on the fly. Was that kind of that early training that you put yourself through on on the guitar? So learning things by ear. I imagine that came in very handy for what you were had asked to do with with Yellow Card.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely, because that that was the only way that I had to to learn those Yellow Card songs. You know, and they didn't send me. He didn't send me any notes on it. It was right. literally just a list of the songs. So it was a matter of, of sitting down with with the bass. And there was two different tunings used, uh, standard and drop D, figuring out which songs were in which tuning, and then just going for it and picking apart the pieces by ear, you know, which, which wasn't that hard. The hardest part was just how differently a bass is played. You know, it's like, I, I know... I know the notes, I know how to play in standard tuning and, and drop D tuning from your guitar player. So like, I knew how to figure it out. I knew the note and the key and, and, and all that shit, but it was like playing the bass as a bass instead of playing a bass like a guitar. That was, <laughs> that was the hardest yeah. position. And, and still to this day, I always felt like a guitar player playing bass, not a bass player. Which which doesn't make sense to a lot of people, and, and I try. It, it's hard to explain, but but there definitely is a difference, even though they're two in the same. It's like um, I don't know. It's like you play you play the the bass like a drummer. You don't play the bass like a guitarist. So,
0: right. Yeah. It's like a rhythm thing, right? You know. Obviously, I mean, the guitar is rhythmic as well, but the bass. I mean, you know to the untrained eye, Obviously it's just like a, <laughs> a guitar with less strings as we joked, but you know, it, it's its own thing, right? You know, it it, it yeah, has its own yeah. place in the band. Right. And I guess you had to learn that all that all over again, right. On yeah, you and, know, and a also, very big stage.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it, and it also really made me appreciate the instrument kind of for the first time in my life, because I, as a, as a listener, um, I was always listening to to guitar players and drummers i just I, it was nothing against bass but it's just not what i what i ever focused on you know i've never focused on bass lines or bass players and stuff so so this got me fine-tuned into bass lines and it sort of was was a whole new world of music that i hadn't explored yet and it, was, it was really cool it was it was hard <laughs> it was hard to wrap my mind around but um i don't know man i, I did it so
0: yeah, no, that's that's yeah, very I cool, still, man. I
1: still think, but I still think I'm a guitar player playing bass. Yeah,
0: yeah, I, it's and probably it just...
1: because most people know me as a bass player, obviously, because right. Yacht was like the, the biggest or whatever band of the ones I've been in. So people people identify me as a bass player, but it, which is so funny to me. Because I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's cool. Thank you. But I, I think I'm better at guitar.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Um, So... Carrying on with the yellow card stuff, obviously you kind of stepped in for that tour and obviously performed admirably because you know the guys kept you around and, and you were in that band right up until the end. So uh, after that initial tour, how did things kind of settle down? Did they say to you, "Well, we want you as like a permanent fixture"? You know, we want you in the studio writing. Uh, how did it? How did it, um, kind of carry on after that that first tour? Well,
1: I mean, it was it was honestly it was another it was another point of uh, of a total just. Crash because um, you know I, I did that U.S. tour and and the Japanese tour and I was on top of the world after that, just like just just so high from that experience and um and and then and basically the band went on hiatus after that. So well, first there was an acoustic tour, which was uh, which was bass player and drummerless. So it was just acoustic guitars. <laughs> Um, so, so I didn't go on that and, and neither did our drummer which sucked but I was like alright like I get it so I'll just do the next one I think <laughs> Yeah. And, and there was no next one Um, you know that that little acoustic tour was, was the last one before the hiatus for a while hiatus for a couple years from the band and you know after that was announced it was, that's when I was like dude I'm done like that's it for me you know, I, I couldn't I couldn't take that happening again. And and that's when I decided to uh to go back to school to finish up my degree and just uh and just focus on that for a while. And and that's what I did. So for the next I don't know, man, two and a half, almost three years, um I was just I was just back in, in school, back in college and uh Really, bust an ass to to finish that. Not thinking that anything musically necessarily would come up again. Um, It was sort of just like it was more like that's that's not going to happen again. You know, that was it. That was like the last strike of lightning for me. So so here I go with this degree. And uh, you know, in the middle of that, the band actually did reform. You know, it, it was after I don't know a year and a half, two years on hiatus, the band got back together and but initially, you know, I was back in school. They got Sean O'Donnell to play bass when, when they reunited. So they did one record with him and then he left and then got the call back, got a call from, from Ryan Key, our, our vocalist. He was like, dude, he was like, I know you're super close to being done uh, with school. But like, do you want to, do you want to come back to the band permanently? And And I thought long and hard for, like 10 seconds and I was like,
0: <laughs> like uh, hell yeah
1: yeah man yeah yes. Yeah. so uh yeah so that was uh that was December of, of 2011 that I got that call and I was just like I, awesome now now I'm now I'm in the band like as a member because before it was just like it was them in a bind needing someone to to come in and, and fill that position immediately which which I did and, and I guess I did it well and then you know, develop friendships with, with all the guys. So, um, so this time it was, it was, a different offer. It was like, dude, we want you, we want you in the band. Like, like we want you to be a member of this band. And I did it. And then, you know, that was, that was it until, until the end, end of the band.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you, you must've done a good job because they called you back. Right. So when you were kind of, so end of 2011, when you were, um, when you joined, when you kind of were like going back into the studio and stuff, um, was it was it kind of your role to kind of write all the bass parts and you know I, I'm just curious as to your um like your uh, involvement in the studio and stuff right because obviously these guys maybe have got songs that they've written you know years before and they're playing them now oh, as right, a band right. they're recording them so yes. like so, how was your in- like how much input were you like were you given free uh, free license to kind of do not, what
1: not not a lot not a lot yeah. until until later on because. Yeah when i when I got that call, um, they had already finished recording uh Southern air uh, and it was coming out I can't remember what month it came out, but it came out in two thousand and twelve um, that's that's what we were touring We did warp tour that year and we did a whole lot of other touring on that record um, you know so that touring cycle lasted a couple of years so it was just like right right when I joined already that's that's two years of of a record that's already done you know which which was fine. It was rad. Um, Ryan Mendez played the bass on that record. Um, so, so we did that. And, and then when it came, when it came time for, uh, for lift to sail, um, it was, it was kind of a bummer to be honest, but, but I understood it, they, you know, they had gone through so many lineup changes at this point and, mm. and with, uh, you know, two records before that having Sean O'Donnell on just for one record. And, before that you know it's just like a lot of that they sort of just decided to keep it as ryan mendez playing the bass just go in knock it out and i was just like well all right you know i I didn't i didn't want to argue with that um still still sort of feeling like like obviously i'm good friends i was already good friends with all of them at this point and and in the band for a couple years but it still sort of felt like the new guy you know in, in a way and just being like well, I don't, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to step on anyone's feet. If that's the decision that they that they're going with, then whatever. It would be nice to 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 work on this album, but whatever. I'm I'm still in the band, and you know, we'll keep going. So, so they did that record, uh, and and Mendez wrote and recorded those bass parts, and uh, and then we toured for a couple of years on that, and then you know, that takes us to the final record. And the final record, we all did write, sit down together, which was great. It just sucks that it took two. The very last record to actually uh right right <laughs> literally right the very first right and at the end my yeah life because, uh, you know like I, as, as we talked about i wasn't a bass player so
0: well so how was how was working on that for example then if, if there was more kind of creative license there was that kind of guys all in a room um you know and uh, bringing ideas to the table and writing it uh as it came rather than you know kind of parts being pre-written already and just recorded
1: it was uh so we did we did the whole record in uh in franklin tennessee about 20 minutes south of nashville where ryan key uh our singer and myself had been roommates for a few years uh we moved there in 2014 2014 i think yeah 2014 moved to nashville so there was a studio in in the house and we did everything there so sean and uh and ryan mendez flew out and stayed with us for three months so so all of the writing and recording aside from drums all the writing and recording was done in in the house in the studio so we were all there with each other to at any time of day or night you know come up with parts or lay parts down you know there was no time restraints or or you know hourly schedules or like work at our own pace and do it we one and, and it was cool but um yeah, the, the bass, the bass stuff is bass lines kind of came towards the end because it was mostly mostly riff writing and uh, and just basic song structure that came first. And then it was coming up with the bass lines and fine tuning towards the end.
0: Yeah, nice man. Yeah, cool. I think, yeah, I'd like that collaborative, uh, kind of vibe rather than you know just being asked to play a part that's already been written man is, i suppose that's a lot more uh, creatively fulfilling you know if you can kind of get in there get your hands on the material and and make it your own
1: yes yes absolutely
0: awesome man so as you say sadly this was the the final album but it was topped off with a huge huge tour right it was like a two year or uh, sorry a, a full year tour right you guys started out uh we on the vans warp tour right and you just right. just yeah. played yeah. everywhere, right? It was just a string of dates. So yeah, how how was that final year when you were just?
1: It was, I mean, it was it was bittersweet, you know, because um, yeah, for I mean, sure, we yeah. I mean, yeah, We had the knowledge that this was the the end of it, but it was like it wasn't it wasn't like the band decided to break up and we're like we're gonna play a month's worth of shows and that's it. It was like it it went on and on. And <sighs> from the time that we all got together and and made the decision to to sort of end the band but but end it by by doing a final album like a farewell album and a, and a big farewell world tour from the time that we we initially discussed that to the date of like the very last show that was like a year and a half i think like almost close to 2 years that that whole process of like that and then planning it and then announcing it and then doing the tours and doing warp tour and doing the record it was just like it was a long time and, and and to me it was like uh it, it was so weird and, and it was sad to me that, that the band was ending um but it was like yeah that's plenty of time to to sort of process it and go <laughs> go through like the the stages of, of grieving for the band or whatever and in a year and a half when this is over we're, we're all going to be like in different places and going off to do different things you know? but um I, I figured out early on on that tour that constantly thinking about it being the end and being the last tour wasn't the right way to go. Not not for me, it wasn't. So so for me, it was more about just staying present and enjoying the shows and, and not thinking about what was coming after Yellow Card, like dealing with that when it came and just really, really enjoying the, the final run and all of the fans and all of the countries and Really, really like digging in and uh, and take you know, just taking all of that in and making it memorable. So, so that's where my focus was was for the final tour, but yeah, it was it was a long one, it was, it was like I said, close to two years.
0: I imagine it went by pretty quickly, though, right? Looking back on it,
1: it went by so quickly. And yeah, as, as in the moment as I was, um, it's a blur, you know, it's just yeah, like, it was a whirlwind. It was like we we kicked off that tour and then it was over.
0: Do you have any, like, I know, well, you said it was a whirlwind, but do you have any kind of enduring standout moments from that? Like I mean, the final show, for example, uh, that one in California, you know, that must've been like a pretty, <laughs> a pretty like epic send off, right?
1: Final show was heavy, man. Was especially the last song. It was like, everyone was crying. It was just like, and, and I wasn't sure how that was going to go. I, I was, I was sort of just like, eh, like it'll be fine. Like I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get choked up, but, even even before the final song started, I was like, I just felt it in my throat. I was like, "Oh no, this isn't gonna be good." But it was it was a it was a great show, but um, yeah, dude, it was it was just heavy, man. It's it's hard to explain that feeling. It, it was it was almost like I don't know. It, it was similar to the feeling of the first time that I played with them. Just just
0: hmm.
1: like magnitude of it, you know, of of what was happening. Um, yeah i mean it's it's weird
0: <laughs> i think I think you got it right when you said bittersweet. I think that's probably the perfect <laughs> perfect description um yeah, nice man um well, yeah, thank you so much for uh talking about that for giving us an insight into that that's that's really cool to hear thanks man so we said at the start, you're, well, obviously you're still a musician, you know, you're still making music, you're st- still doing musical things. So Broken Trophy is the uh, the international kind of project you've got going on at the moment. And that just, it's a couple of singles at the moment, right? A couple of covers. Is that something that you have always liked doing? Because, I mean, you have, Um, we, we didn't mention this, but you, you also have like an 80s kind of uh, hair metal project. Is that, that's correct, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: so that's... Great white lion snake. That's presumably covers and things like that. So, uh, right, and we can talk about that as well, actually, because that's that's pretty interesting. That's kind of like, kind of like hero worship, like hero tribute, right, to those early MTV guys that you were so fond of.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that's um, it. it Started as as literally all just eighties like like glam hair metal uh, tribute band because because we dress up, we do the whole like you know, spandex and wigs and makeup and like really try to try to make that show for people. But I've been doing that for a long time. I mean, I, I was doing that along with yellow card. I was doing that before the the second and like permanent stint in yellow card. That, that actually came together at that moment of uh of that yellow card hiatus where I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm going to finish school. That's when that came about because I, I moved back to to this area of Georgia and, and was going to school in Macon and um, I was at a bar one night, ran into a buddy, and he was like, hey, while you're back, we should do a band. And I sort of had had this idea for a couple of years anyway. And, uh, and I was like, okay, one condition. <laughs> it's all hair metal, and we dress the part.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And,
1: uh, and we, you know, we plugged in the other two members pretty pretty quick. I mean, we, the first two guys that we auditioned, actually, we were just like, yep, you, you're good. And it's fun, and we, it's it's been mostly – I mean, it's we've been doing the band for for a decade now, it's, and it's usually just shows in Georgia, but they're like pretty big shows. I mean, when we when we play around here, it's it's sold out, and people love it. It's fun. We play for three hours, like wearing leather and wigs, so it's like. But um, yeah, dude, it's it's a blast, and it's like something that you know. Obviously, I knew I would never get to join one of the '80s metal bands that I loved, but I but I really enjoy playing those songs and, and playing all those guitar solos and stuff so yeah
0: i was going to say you get to shred you actually get to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get to actually rock out on the guitar yeah nice but,
1: but uh yeah so i mean that it's i mean obviously there's no shows this year but um we do it we do a handful of shows every year and when yellow Card was touring it'd be like we'd go off tour and then i come down to georgia and do a couple of shows with them so it's just it's just for fun though it's not like a recording project or anything
0: for sure, man. But uh, Broken Trophy is right. Sorry. So let's let's go back to that. I just got slightly sidetracked there. But that's a couple. That's some covers you do, right? So what's the what's the thinking behind that? Talk to talk to us about how you kind of chose those songs. You know, why you decided to to cover this kind of style.
1: Well, I'm I'm not sh- I'm not sure if any of us really know what what we're gonna do with it uh, from here out. I don't I don't know if it's gonna remain just the covers thing or not. But The way that came about was uh, was Matt Cade, who is a guitarist, producer uh, over there in the UK. He he recorded this Jawbreaker tune and he was a big fan of Game Face. So he reached out or got in touch with Jeff, the singer of Game Face, Jeff Cottle. and was like, hey, man. And they didn't know each other prior to this. He was just like, hey, you know, I'm I'm doing the studio work over here. I've recorded this cool cover a jawbreaker tune i'm a big fan of your work um i was wondering if you might like to contribute vocals to the song and and i think initially jeff was sort of like yeah i'll 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 give it a listen you know and he checked it out and it sounded badass so he wrote back he's like yeah man i'm in i would love to sing on this and uh and then jeff who i had been friends with for a few years reached out to me and was like hey man and he sort of told me the the story that i just told you he's like and we need someone to play bass on it you want to play bass on it and it's like uh you know Jeff's a good buddy of mine now but, but but Jeff's band I mean dude that band was huge for me like in high school they were one of the the early when I was really getting into punk rock so Gameface was one of one of my favorites you know 94 95 96 like that whole era that that band means a lot to me so so it was cool years later becoming friends with him and then and then now like being involved in a recording project. so so when he asked me I was like yeah dude of course I'll do it so uh knock that out and then we have uh, Kai, Kai Smith. He's in Australia. He did the drums, and a lot of people know Kai from his YouTube videos. He's he's a huge YouTube guy. He's awesome, awesome drummer. He's a, he does these insane videos where he'll take like the entire Epitaph Records catalog and and play, and it'll be like a twenty minute drum video, and he plays literally a song <laughs> from every band of every record. It, it's it's insane, man. I don't know how he does it, but killer drummer. So he's on it, and you know we all recorded our parts where we were and put that together and then it was like it turned out so good that we were like we should do another we should do another song and put this out and we were thinking since the jawbreaker tune was like a 1990 like really og punk rock song of that of that sort of era of punk rock it should be something else that fits in with that so we we chose you know a really early green day song and then knocked that out like cool let's put it out (laughs) And we cut it out so you know i don't think um I don't know if there, if there was ever a notion to like, Hey, like let's us be in a band together. Like we're, we're in this band or if it's just like, Hey, let's record some music, but it's cool. People are liking it. Uh, the recordings turned out well. Um, the dudes from Jawbreaker like posted about it the other day. So that's cool. They're into
0: Oh, it. for real? Nice. <laughs>
1: so yeah, I think, I think for right now, the plan is to, to do definitely another EP, um, but I don't know what's going to be on it yet. and, and, and you know i don't know if there's going to be shows that come about at some point or touring or anything like that it's not something we're planning for i think it's just right now it's just for fun
0: yeah cool man so um uh just like a few questions that we kind of ask everyone uh what have you kind of been um listening to lately in, in this downtime you know what's what's kind of getting you through
1: uh, i i listen to um listen to a lot of a lot of different stuff um I, yeah <laughs> i'm always going back i'm always going back to um to like my 80s metal and my 90s rock stuff that's that's still um something huge in my if not daily at least my weekly life is, is listening to or or playing some of that stuff but um as far as as far as like current popular music i honestly i couldn't tell you anything about it like i just it's just not it's not something that I that I pay attention. to. I get into new bands all the time, but it's not like it's not like the shit that pe- most people know. You know, it's so, so when people I don't know. There's so many artists that people will like name a song. Like I literally I don't I don't know. They're like you're crazy. You've heard that song. <laughs> well, I haven't been anywhere in a year, so no. I yeah. haven't heard that song. <laughs> But um, yeah. you know, I, I gravitate toward a lot of darker stuff, and I think I always have them. I'm, I'm a big fan of of The Cure and and stuff like that. And there's you know, over the last few years, there's sort of been a resurgence of that type of sound and I mean, there's a ridiculous amount of, like, genre names now that it's, it's too many to keep up with. <laughs> like, Dark Wave and synth and right. Wave and everything else that ends in wave. Actually, <laughs> I'm not one to latch on to new genres. In fact, I usually end up kind of not liking them, but all that stuff, or most of that stuff, resonates with me um, it, in, in such a way, just, just from, like, the 80s sort of throwback vibe of it but done well so i do like a lot of that stuff like um i'm a big fan of drab majesty um it's kind of like cure smith's depeche modi really cool stuff and uh and then some of the more even more like electronic stuff like i don't know like time cop 1983 and the midnight and stuff like that so i do jam that a lot but then like the the other day i actually i put something on twitter about this because i thought it was so ridiculous the other day I was working out and and for some reason, man, I was just like, my, my anxiety was through the roof. I was like, I'm going to listen to something chill instead of something that gets me pumped up. And I put on this classical station on, on Spotify. I just like pulled it up. And, and like 10 minutes later, I was like, oh man, I, I think I actually enjoy working out to classical music. So I'm, I'm like a full blown psychopath now, I guess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is like, yeah, that's American psycho Christian Bale vibes.
1: Exactly. Right. I, yeah. <laughs> I, oh man, what territory have I just gotten into? It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crazy year, just really took a turn right now. But yeah, um, yeah I, I like I like all that kind of kind of darker stuff.
0: If you could uh, go back in time and kind of see any gig, or even actually you know be on stage and play, where would you go and and why?
1: Wow, that's
0: uh, again very broad. Do apologize, but yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah probably honestly has has a lot of answers one thing that's really cool about that though is um is i've actually gotten to do a lot of that you know like especially festival shows with yellow card i mean there's been some festivals where we're playing with like some of the bands that like i I grew up that were heroes of mine that are heroes of mine like uh like motley Crue. you know like we played two festivals motley Crue, and i was losing my mind I i gotta fucking meet motley Crue. like this has to happen and uh, and I got to hang out with Nikki Six for like ten minutes and just like shoot the shit and that was like that was like the best day of my life you know oh man uh, tell yeah. me about that yeah but like real quick like for if sure. you would ask me the same question before I had played that show and met Nikki Six that probably would have been my go to answer like oh Nikki Six ah okay I hang out with him. and it happened so so there's a lot of that in yellow car world even even with um, even with great white lion snake like we got to a point where we were. <laughs> we were supporting a lot of the bands that we were covering so we <laughs> us opening for skid row us opening for dokken like just what how did that happen but uh but yeah we did um uh i think i think it was 2015 we did nova rock in austria and and mötley crue was on it and i was just like all right this is the moment and and you know prior to this i think it was maybe maybe 2 years before this no, nah, dude, it, it was before that. It was right when I when I rejoined Yellow Card. There was one day because I, I always idolized Motley Crue and especially Nikki Six. It was one day and and I just like hopped on Twitter and I was like I was like I wonder what the chances of Nikki Six coming to a Yellow Card show this year would be, you know? And I like tagged him in, and of course our fans were like retweeting all that crap. And uh, and and like like two days later, I get this, I get this notification on my phone, ding, and I look at it, and it was a response from Nikki Six, and I was just like like basically had a panic attack i was like wait wait." so uh so i open it and uh and it says josh i i dig your band and i was just like what his brain exploded you know so so using that it was like all right so so Nikki at least knows he knows about the band and we've had a tiny correspondence online so it's not too far-fetched to be like all right now we're playing the show together i can at least say what's up to the guy and say thanks so uh so yeah, Snow I um, actually brought with me on that tour all the way to Europe, my uh, my 10th anniversary copy of Motley Crue's The Dirt. It's like leather bound, this super nice edition, right? I was like, I got to get these guys to sign this. That would just sort of make my childhood dream come true. So that day I handed it off, handed the book off to our tour manager who knew he knew someone in uh in Motley's crew. I can't remember who it was. Motley's crew. <laughs> 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 uh, he knew someone working for the band. And uh so that morning I was just like, yeah, like if you can make it happen, cool. If you can't, like whatever. So so my book's gone for the day, making its rounds, maybe. And we played, we played fairly early that day. I want to say like three or four o'clock. And we finished, we went to catering. Catering was completely empty, so it was just me. Uh, both Ryan's and, uh, and our singer, Ryan's sister, who came along to hang out with us for a couple of weeks. So it's us sitting in catering, get a text message from our tour manager. He's like, dude, he's like, uh, crew just arrived. They're all just hanging out back here. You should, you should come out and say what's up. And it's funny because I don't, I don't get starstruck or, or nervous around people. I really, it's just never been a thing, you know, but something about crew, they were always sort of number one for me. As soon as you said that, I, I like froze up. I was like, "Dude, I can't, I can't go out there and talk to these guys." Man. And like the other dudes in my band, are laughing at me. They're like, "Dude, go no, man, I can't." I literally like got a glass of wine, and like downed it. I was like, "All right, I'm getting ready just to prepare to say hi to these guys that that basically got me started playing music when I was, you know, watching their videos at four and five years old." So, so I'm, I'm trying to trying to psych myself up so I can talk to them and not you know stutter and make a complete fool of myself. <laughs> And uh, and and before that happens, in walks Nikki Six the catering. So it's just him, one of his security guys, and then the four of us <laughs> at the table, you know? So I'm like, oh, shit. So he gets his food, they sit down, and uh, I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not gonna bother the guy while he's eating, clearly. So we're just waiting and out, waiting and out. He finishes, we finish, um, the security guy leaves. So it's literally just, just Nikki sitting at this table across the corner. And I'm just like, it's 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 now or never, man. <laughs> like, Nikki, what's up, man? It's Josh from Yellow Card. And he's like, and he was so, I was so worried that maybe he was going to be a dick, you know? Josh, he's like, what's up, man? Like, how, how's the tour? And he was just like, it turned into him asking me all the questions. Like, I, I didn't even have to say anything. What's going on with the band? And it was like, we had just played. He's like, what time is you guys set? And I was like, oh, man, we just got off stage. And he's like, oh, dude, I really wanted to see you guys. And I was like, you know, maybe maybe he says this to all the dudes that come up to him at shows. You know, he definitely could, but it was it was the moment that he goes, he gets quiet. and He's like, man, he was he was lift the sail is a fucking awesome album. That that was the album that just come out. Know. He named he named the he named the album. So right. he knows what he's
0: listened to it. He knows it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's so cool man that's so nice
1: yeah man and we just we shot the <laughs> ship for a while and and told some tour stories and um yeah it's funny my, my actual my like custom guitar picks that i had that year were uh i had the old motley crew dr feelgood logo i had a buddy take out all the letters except for the y at the end of motley and the c at the beginning of crew so it was just the yc and, and then sort of like the Whatever, whatever whatever that emblem was that they used but mm-hmm. anyway those those were my picks <laughs> at the end of talking to Nikki, i was like dude you're not gonna believe this but my my picks this year are these like crew tribute picks and, and i take one out of my pocket and he's like oh my god can i have this <laughs> like, all right man Nikki six just asked for my guitar pick. yeah
0: that's this sick yeah
1: be- this is the best day of my life um but you know, I I don't know. It it was a cool conversation. I didn't, I didn't get super geeky talking to him like I am right now talking <laughs> about the actual counter. But um but I heard later on, I got the book back. Uh everyone tagged it. It's super mm-hmm. cool. It's one of my prized mm-hmm. possessions. But uh but our, our TM, he was like he's like, Yeah, dude. He was like, apparently Nikki went back to their bus and showed all the guys the pick, the guitar pick, and they were all freaking out about it. <laughs> cool, man. I was like, <laughs> The band could end today, and, and yeah. I at least that for the rest of the show.
0: <laughs> That's amazing, man. Oh, you should have asked for one of his picks. You should have done, like, a swap. That would have been cool, huh, if you had one on him. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah.
1: My, my, my mind was just, like, it was like yeah, uh, I wasn't really firing on all cylinders. Yeah, like, for sure. Or, like, I was just floating about six inches above the ground and just trying to form complete thoughts, you
0: know? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Oh, that, yeah, that was great. Like, I like, I don't know about you, but obviously, like, <laughs> people like me who are not in a band, like we don't think that band people get crazed, you know, like fan, they get like really worked up about other people in bands, you know? So like, it's, it's like so nice to see that, like even like you who obviously you you played in like a huge band in front of all these people, like you can still get excited about seeing other musicians. Like, yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, of course.
1: And and honestly, I think it's, I think it's important to, to not lose that, to not become, so jaded that you know, that you don't feel that anymore, you know? And I remember um I remember early on in Yellow Card, I, I I struggled with that at the beginning of like becoming friends with uh with bands and like like artists that I had always loved. And it's just like, is that going to change how how I sort of like listen to their music and, and what I think of it, you know? And it's like if I really love this band, should I become buddies with them? You know? Is that and eventually, I was like, "Yeah, that's stupid. I'm, I'm going to be friends with everyone that I can." So.
0: Yeah, nice. <laughs> but uh,
1: but it's pretty wild going going back to what you're saying about any any gig or, or meeting from the past. It's like uh, one thing that's really cool is that, that I don't think a lot of people sort of in our particular scene have done. Obviously, you know, I, I'm tight with a lot of people in in that world. But the coolest thing to me is how it opened up. These these people that I idolize as kids that that I am I get to be friends with now, you know, bands, 80s bands like Skid Row and Rat and it's just like I know these people now. And it's wild because before I was even a musician, I'm like looking at these guys on TV like that's I got to do that. That's what I want to do. And if you told me at 10 years old that one day like some of these people would be calling me sometimes, you know, it's like I would not have believed it. So it's really cool. Uh, really cool perk. <laughs> but uh yeah as far as like gigs back in the day that i mean i would like to see any any anyone that was that was amazing that like passed that i never got to see like it, it would be great to have seen prince or tom petty you know um am actually a big fan of typo negative and, hmm. and i had I had a chance pretty much throughout the 90s and, and early 2000s i had a chance to see them a lot and it was just one of those bands where i was like eh, i'll catch them next time one day you know you're steel the singer he died it's like damn it you know like i i screwed up but um I don't know, dude stevie ray juan love to see that guy
0: there are it is as i say i do apologize it is a very broad question as there are probably we could name hundreds of guys who have passed on that you'd want to go see right but yeah, yeah. that's awesome man thanks thanks for sharing that story as well that's real cool to hear um i just had one one last little thing to ask you so again, unfortunately, it goes back to the current situation we find ourselves in. But when things kind of get back to normal and we're able to travel and move about, do you have any plans to or uh, well, what are your you know, travel plans? Do you plan to stay in the U.S.? Would you like to go exploring, like take a year out, you know, visit some different places? What What are your thoughts?
1: Um, I mean, I definitely want to travel internationally as soon as possible. Uh, yeah, it's still. I still do that as much as possible um, post yellow card. Um, like I've been to, I've been to Japan three or four times since the band ended, which is my favorite place in the world. So that probably would be the first trip, but I don't know, man, it's, it's just hard to say when that's going to be possible again, especially for Americans getting to go anywhere else. Cause obviously we've not handled this, anywhere close to the way it should have been handled. And, you know, everyone else sees that. And I, you know, I don't blame them for, for not really wanting to, to let us in, but <laughs> I, I don't know how long that's going to be, but um, man, exploring is that's, that's my biggest passion. I mean, I think, I think that's what I got the most out of touring really was just the excitement of the adventure of, of going to all these different countries and getting to explore. So I might go somewhere that I've been a million times, like Japan, or may just go somewhere totally off the wall that, that I've always wanted to go. There's a lot of South America that I haven't touched. So that would be rad.
0: Yeah, what is it specifically about Japan that you kind of found, uh, the, what kind of drew you to that?
1: Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me that, and, and it's a little difficult to explain because I'm not quite sure that I really have an answer, even for myself, it's it's something that I just feel when I'm there, and, and I always have, and and when I really think about it, I think it probably has to tie back to when I was a little kid. I was really obsessed, sort of with with Asian culture and and martial arts films, and you know, like uh, I was equally. Uh, Motley Crue and Van Halen videos as I was ninja, yeah. ninja movies. That was sort of the other part that that made me up. So I, I think I always had kind of ingrained in me, sort of uh part parts of that culture, at least at least visually, just a lot of the the, the structures and, and the way the, the cities were built and stuff. So seeing that for the first time and and how real it was, it was just like wow. And I, I really felt that and I really feel it. Every time I go, and it's it's a beautiful place, and it's a, it's a beautiful country, um, beautiful culture, sorry, and it's just a blast, man. <laughs> it's, it's 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 unlike anything else in the world.
0: Yeah, I'd say. I mean, just so, you know, Westerners like us, there is that kind of uh, culture shock you get, right? But you seem to <laughs> kind of embrace that.
1: It, but there's a, there's a difference with Japan, though. For some reason, it's like I've been a lot of places where there is a degree of culture shock. and 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 japan is certainly a million times different than america but something about the culture shock there it 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 has a calming feel to me like i i don't feel out of place or or disoriented there it's like uh i don't know man it's it's like a it's just like a peace it's just like a feeling of of peacefulness when i'm there even as well i'm not gonna say it's chaotic but it's There's a shitload of people that live in Japan, obviously, but I don't know, man. Just something about the vibe there is is very peaceful. I I connect with it. I always have, and uh, I I would live there if I could.
0: Well, who knows? Maybe in the future, man. Maybe after (laughs) after everything settles down, you know, you could uh, find your way back out there again. Well, I I hope you do.
1: Thanks, man. I I hope so. I hope you get to make it out there too.
0: Yeah, I've never done.
1: For anyone to check that out, they can.
0: Yeah, it's on the list. It's and South Korea as well. I know we're obviously not the same country, but uh Seoul has always been like fascinating to me the way that it looks, you know, just as a city, it's just huge.
1: We did we did yeah. South Korea once, a uh, cool festival there. it uh, yeah. was actually another uh that was another situation of kind of getting to uh do a show with and, and meet one of my one of my childhood heroes. That was very cool. Uh who was that? Was Steve Vai. Oh wow uh, Yeah, it, dude, it was such <laughs> a random show. It was us. Yeah. Um, Cambria, Steve I. Oh, wow. What?
0: <laughs> what a mix, huh? <laughs> Who's seeing that show? Everybody, I guess. It's something for everyone.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was a great show, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you get a chance to, uh, to talk to Steve at that?
1: He, I didn't get to talk to him at the show, but I, actually, it was funny. The next morning at breakfast at the hotel, I'm going through the buffet line, and I turn around, and it's Steve in line behind me, so just... Chatted with him while I put strange delicacies onto my plate. <laughs> <laughs> Super nice guy, though.
0: Yeah, he seems it, man. Yeah, he seems like a pretty chill dude. All his guitar talent. He seems like very down to earth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well, yeah. Listen, man. Um, I think I have to uh, leave it there. I want to thank you so much uh, for talking to us today. It's been like really cool, really mm-hmm. eye-opening. Um, yeah, of course. A lot man. of great stories, appreciate man.
1: Appreciate <laughs> you having me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no worries, man. And um yeah, I hope you have a peaceful holiday, holiday season. Hope the move goes okay. And yeah, just all the best, all the best for the future, man. Hope everything gets sorted out sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, and the same to you, brother.
0: Yeah, okay. um Take care of yourself, Josh. Thank you very much, sir.
1: Yeah, man. Take care. See you.
0: Thank you, man. Bye.